This is Creatives Incorporated, where we take a look at the process and inspiration of creators. I'm Travis, your host, a location sound mixer and commercial photographer based in Pensacola, Florida. Today is Quarantine Special 5 with special guest, Emily Noelani Holmes. Emily is a Hawaiian-born actor and model based out of Atlanta, Georgia. You can see her wonderful face across numerous network TV shows, print and video ads, and independent films. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm good. I've never had my own intro music before. That was so fun. Like that? Good. I'm glad. Good start. (laughs) Now for the audience, depending on when our audience is listening to this show, some things might seem a bit out of date. So for reference, we are recording this on April 10th, 2020. And uh, I'm hoping the world is in a better place soon because, goodness, we can do some improvement. Yeah, right in the middle of quarantine, man. It's been a few weeks with very little social interaction. (laughs) You're a pretty engaging and creative person. So what are you doing to keep busy during social distancing? Okay, so we're about three weeks into... I'll call it the apocalypse. Uh, no, into kind of the world shut down. And honestly, every single week has been completely different. The first week that we had off, I was kind of I was taking advantage of the opportunity to get done around the house that I otherwise feel like I never have time for. Things like just, you know, deep cleaning the house, as well as I had like 10 pairs of pants that I needed to hem, just stuff that's forever on my, you know, my mental to-do list that I never get to. So that was week one. Week two was just a lot of resting, I guess. I, I kept thinking that that was going to be the last week of quarantine. So I was like, well, I might as well take advantage of this time to, you know, binge watch some Netflix and, uh, you know, lay in bed and drink wine out of the bottle while I watched some old 90s rom-coms. Like it was really a lot of resting. And then this past week I got a job. Um, which normally, obviously, I'm an actor, but everything for that is shut down. So a church friend hired me to help deep clean a college so that it would stay you know, safe. And when people are going back, they won't be exposed to any coronavirus germs that might still be there. So every single week has been completely different. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just I've been trying to remind myself that we're in the middle of a pandemic. It really is a crisis. And so it's okay to just take a break. I keep seeing all these memes coming out of if you haven't learned a language, if you haven't worked out, if you haven't done this and this and this, then the problem was never that you didn't have time. It's that you're procrastinating, you're lacking discipline. And I just think that's such BS. I think that sometimes it's okay to just focus on surviving. You don't have to be thriving. So right. kind of what I've been doing. And I mean, no offense to the, all the, the gym people out there getting, uh, you know, swolder in quarantine, but Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go to the gym like in, you know, in advance of summer. I'm certainly not going to yeah. do it in advance of the end of the world, you know? Right. Like, and now gyms aren't even open. So you're kind of relying on working out from home. And um, I don't know. I just, if it, if it feels like a good time to feel motivated to do things, then certainly do. The first weekend that we all were social distancing, I had one photo shoot that I actually did from home. So that way, um, you know, obviously I was exposing myself to one other person, but that was it. But then the more that we found out, this is more of a serious thing and more than just, hey, stay in your house as much as you can. Um, kind of been limited to just doing things on my own. Which I think is uh, hard for someone who I know as an actor and a model, typically you're not doing things on your own. You are a, a member right. or a collaborator <laughs> within creativity. Yes. And so has there been anything you've, found that, you know, obviously that's been something that's been particularly difficult to you is it's hard for you to uh, find an outlet for those creative pursuits when you're on your own. Have you found a way to to exercise that or any advice for yeah. other actors, maybe in isolation? Yeah. So, well, this is something I've been terrible about this week, but for the first two weeks, I was pretty good about journaling every day. If any of your listeners have ever heard of this book called The Artist's Way, it's super famous. If you've never heard of it, I totally recommend looking it up. But in The Artist's Way, they talk about doing these things called morning pages, which is essentially journaling every day when you get up. And so I was doing that the first two weeks. 
And I know that in my life, it helps me to be more creative because sometimes while you're journaling and you're just free writing, you come up with ideas or you can get out all of those anxious thoughts that otherwise preoccupy your brain and then you've got space in there for creativity. So number one piece of advice for me is um, journaling helps tremendously. But other than that, kind of what I've been doing is a little bit of writing. Um, I don't even know how to describe what I write. It's like calling it a poem feels like too strong of a word. Um, but if you just write something, I guess it's not a quote. I don't know. If anyone goes onto my Instagram page at Meowmalay, they can see that some of my captions right now are more of my real thoughts and I'm trying to be a little bit more real. So social media for me is a big opportunity to be expressive. Um, Twitter a little bit, but really just been writing and journaling and Instagramming a lot. <laughs> I love your handle on Instagram. Meowmalay. <laughs> yeah i'm destined to be a cat lady i'm sure so working only that if in there you want to be only if you want to be <laughs> so uh, i'm based in florida and um mm-hmm. found out that you uh you were born in uh, honolulu hawaii correct yes but uh you grew up most of your formative years it sounds like we're in in the florida yeah, I mean pretty much all of them i barely remember living in hawaii um only going back to be with family and stuff during summers. But, you know, I went to school, elementary school, all the way through college in the Orlando area. What uh, what university did you go to? Rollins College. It's like a small little private school. Yeah, I spent down, uh, some time down there at Full Sail and the other okay. areas and some time at uh, uh, UCF. Uh, yeah, so Full Sail, Full Sail is maybe like... 10 minutes from Rollins at the most. They're both in Winter Park. And then Rollins is probably, I want to say 30 minutes from UCF. Okay. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah. that same kind of general area. So is it uh, Rollins smaller or larger than the little Valencia Community College down there? Ooh, I actually don't. I mean, it has dorms and everything. So probably I would assume than. that it's larger. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, how many students Valencia has to give you an accurate guess on that. That's great. So as you were growing up though, um, mm-hmm. I heard you, uh, you wanted to argue and debate a bit. And <laughs> I wanted to be a, a little, a little bit of a lawyer, which I do. I do think my, uh, my daughter might be following that track. We call her, uh, Rose Patterson Esquire. Cause she will, she's oh, four and she will argue everything with you. Yeah, see, that's how I was. And sometimes when I hear stories from my mom, I just wonder, like, how did I not get smacked by my friend's parents? My catchphrase as a kid was, and your point is, and that's what I would say to everything. So some adult could, you know, tell me some information and I would just be like, and your point is, and I can't believe that anyone tolerated me. See, this is one of the double standards. I feel like as a little girl, you were probably adorable and they let it slide. Yeah. As a boy, yeah, like no. my dad would have just popped <laughs> me in the back of the head. Well, it also probably depends on, you know, your parents and stuff. I think my mom was raising me as a single mom. So she was kind of probably picking her battles. She was probably like, well, at least my daughter won't get walked all over. Maybe. <laughs> hey, I, I want my to be tough too. That's good. <laughs> Yeah. We, we we say it's personality plus is what my wife's out of the family says. Oh, I like that. So I like that a lot. <laughs> at what point did this uh this desire to be a, a lawyer kind of start molding into acting and TV? When did that kind of first love fall fall in for you? I think so like most kids, I think what I really wanted to do probably changed a lot. Lawyer is the big one that I remember. Um, sort of because that led me into acting because when I was in, I think it was sixth grade. No, must have been in elementary school. Um, they would pull like a certain number of kids out of class every week um, for like the gifted program. And we would have to memorize a poem every week and deliver it to the class. It was basically to learn how to do public speaking. And then in fourth and fifth grade, we would have speech contests that were sponsored by, I think it was, um, one was like Toastmasters and one was a local like Rotary Club. Either way, all of those opportunities in elementary school that kids had to do any kind of public speaking, I was always really excited about. And so that was sort of 
what started this idea of, you know, maybe being a lawyer, um, would do all the school plays, but didn't really think about the acting part of that so much as just, I was good at speaking in front of an audience. And then when I was in sixth grade, I started thinking about taking some kind of public speaking class to, I don't know, I guess, get ahead on being a lawyer. I don't know what 11 year old needs to get that ahead on, but, um, I started looking up public speaking classes and they didn't really have them for kids. And so I ended up taking an acting class at the school. Um, uh, It's called John Robert Powers. It's a big nationwide thing. It's not really an acting class, but um, they promote themselves as like, oh, we'll make you famous. Well, whatever. Either way, it was my only option for a way to get in front of people. And so I auditioned, had to do a commercial didn't really know what I was doing, but I got in because they take everyone. And then once I started doing the class, I realized like, oh, I actually really like this. So it's not like I was chosen because I was anything special. They literally take everyone. But once I was in it, it was very clear that I loved it, you know, as much as or more than all of my classmates. And then got to high school and did drama club, was president of my drama club, did all of the thespian society competitions, that kind of thing. And it just sort of became my life, really. Like um, in school, my favorite and best subjects were always math, but it wasn't something that I was passionate about. I knew I didn't want to go into like engineering or anything like that. I just loved drama club and it just, it was always what I wanted to do in the back of my mind. I think I, I didn't want to admit it because it's scary to admit that you want something and then to not get it if it didn't happen. And I come from a family where everyone's in the medical field. My dad's a doctor. My mom's dad was a surgeon. My mom does ultrasounds on high-risk pregnant women. My sister's a pediatrician. Like everyone in my family is in the medical field. And I was always one of the smart kids in the family. So I think everyone assumed that I would go to college or I assumed, everyone assumed that I would go to college for some like real job. So I went, was pre-med for the first half and then um, started circling back to the entertainment industry, thought about being an agent. I worked at an agency for a bit. Um, and then it just kind of, I don't know, one day it was like, I woke up and was like, I don't want to live for what other people want me to do. I'm going to be an actor. And then my entire family was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. You've always loved this. Like we all knew you wanted to be an actor. Could do it. You have siblings. So are they, uh, Mm -hmm. are, are they creative like you? Are they very outgoing? like your personality is, or is that kind of something that's set you apart within your family? Well, so my two siblings are my half siblings from my dad's side. Um, we didn't really grow up together. Um, they're definitely like, I wouldn't say they're non-creative people. They're not like, you know, super rigid by any means. Um, very outgoing people, but my brother's a pilot. My sister's a doctor, just very normal jobs. I'm definitely the weirdest of the kids. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned kind of getting your start in middle and high school and theater and the mm-hmm. television department. I found, and it's kind of when I got my start too, was in, you know, kind of a little TV in middle school and then getting into TV productions in high school is kind of where those seeds were really planted for me. Uh, oh, we cool. Had, we had Mrs. Goolsby. She was our TV production teacher in high school and single-handedly, she, she wasn't the most knowledgeable teacher, but what she did was equip us. And then kind of got out of the way and let us experiment and try and do things. And unless mm-hmm. there was a real reason to say no, she never said no. And, uh, you know, basically gave us the, the cameras and the editing platforms and the, the time, um, and the kind of so justification cool. to get to go out and make stuff. And mm-hmm. that kind of is where I found that passion. Did you, were you lucky enough to have a, a teacher like that? That was kind of a main person. Not so. When I got to high school, um, I got to high school and my ninth grade year was the very first year that my school was open. And so we didn't have like one instructor that had been there for many years or anything like that. It was everyone's first time at this school. So I feel like we were just kind of figuring things out as we went. Um, But pretty much every year that I was in high school, we had a new teacher. They kept just coming and going. Um, My drama club teacher, oh, and So my ninth grade year, I was actually out of school for two months um, because I was really sick and they couldn't figure out why. It ended up just 
being a bad reaction to medication that I was on, nothing super serious. But um, because of that, I missed out on a lot of drama club stuff in ninth grade. So there wasn't really the opportunity there for a teacher to have an effect. Uh, 10th grade, I think my drama teachers didn't really like me. He put me in the plays, but like, I don't know, we didn't mesh. Um, But I did have a drama teacher my 11th grade year who I wouldn't say she went out of her way to be especially helpful. Like she was a working actor on her own. She always had her own shows. So she didn't have a ton of time to invest in us outside of class. But I do remember her showing us a short film that she had done. And that was sort of my introduction to, oh, that's how you can build a reel or build a resume. Um, So even though she may not have intentionally, you know, been putting in the work to say mold me as an actor or anything, I think she was just kind of a cool example of like what it looks like to be an adult in your late twenties, which is what I am now. Uh, who is sort of making it in like the indie scene or showing that you can be a working actor without being a movie star and that there's all different things that you can work on, whether it's local plays or short films or commercials or just saying that there are different ways to have a career as an actor and not be a starving artist. So I guess that was a long-winded way of saying that um, I didn't have uh, would you call her Mrs. Goolsby? Mrs. Goolsby, that was her name. She okay. was. A, I didn't. Uh, she was a <laughs> parrot amazing. head. Do you know what a parrot head is? No. What is that? That's a, a what Jimmy Buffett fans call himself. So there was oh. always Jimmy Buffett music around. Jimmy Buffett posters. He was a a big. I'm here for head. that. Yeah. My mom is a is a parrot head too. Also, apparently. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I didn't have a Mrs. Goolsby, but I did have a good example, I would say. Well, one thing you said that's kind of standing out to me is a lot of the the recent podcasts I've been doing, I have a, a we did one with an episode with a, a good friend of mine named Chris Alvarado, who mm-hmm. is a professional musician and builds guitars. And when I say builds guitars, like when the Grammys had like a Lifetime Achievement Award and they wanted to give a guitar as a, you know, a present to that person, they bought one from Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris oh, is like starting casual. guitars. They started like 10 grand. Um, he's made them for Rolls Jeepers. Royce. One of, uh, Mick Fleetwood from uh, Fleetwood Mac has one of his guitars. Go to Georgia Line. Like when you watch the, one of their music videos, like three of his guitars are in it. Um, wow. So and- like he's just getting started. <laughs> yeah, he's really only been doing it for about 10 years. He's just, you know, it's, it's something we talked about in that episode. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the superpower of his. Uh, and like everything, when you want to become that good at it, what do you do? You read a book. And then you, you do a crappy one. And then you're just good. Um, yeah. That's, that's kind of, <laughs> he, he argues that there's more to it, but I was there. And it was about what it took. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's kind I of been remember, him as well. Uh, Very talented guy. but. He he brings it he brings it down as does um another fella uh, Joe Hernandez who's someone I know he's a professor who teaches theater um in Arkansas and has worked in theater professionally for nearly twenty years uh, and they've kind of all said the same thing as you that they want to work in these creative fields and they want to be professionals and they want to make their livings but none of them have the desire to like strive for fame for fame's sake. In fact, I know Chris mm. had the opportunity to, to kind of take that approach to take that, you know, he won a Grammy showcase in 2012 and they were trying to give him open those doors for him. And he chose not to walk through them. Wow. And, um, you know, cause he, he had a new wife and he wanted to start a family and he's like, no, I can make money with music another way. I don't need to be famous to do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, it comes back to, I am killing myself because I cannot remember who I should attribute this <laughs> quote to. Um, famous blues musician. Um, no, Ray Charles. That's who it is. I remember. Ray Charles said, I never wanted to be famous. I only wanted to be great. Wow. And that's, that's kind of, that's the thought that came to mind when you were talking about that. And I think that's excellent. I think that's a great attitude to take. Yeah, well, I think... So to be fair, I've never really had the opportunity for fame presented to me. Um, Realistically, I feel like if someone right now were like, hey, we've got this genie lamp. Do you want to be famous? And I really had the opportunity. 
as much as I know that I would not be cut out for that, I still feel like I would be tempted by it. Um, so maybe like thankfully, minutes, I minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I am not cut out for fame though. I can tell you that right now. I, um, I dated a guy who was probably on his way to, you know, being famous, if not an A-list star, at least like pretty big. And I remember realizing that that lifestyle was just not, it's just not for me. Like I'm such a people pleaser and I feel so incredibly guilty when I can't be there for people. If someone sends me a message on Instagram and I've never met them, I, I don't know how to not respond. And so I think that the whole fame lifestyle where everyone's chasing after you would just, oh my gosh, that would exhaust me because I would just sit around like responding to everyone's DMs all day, every day and never get anything done. <laughs> oh man. Now I, you, speaking of your Instagram, one thing you've, uh, you've spoken to a little bit about on it that, uh, mm-hmm. really surprised me. And I, it's something, if you don't mind, I'd like to dig into. So evidently yeah. during your, your theater and coursework and acting in college, you started taking on some commercial work and you mentioned, and I'm kind of paraphrasing as I remember that at one point you actually had a, a a professor and it sounds like peers that mentioned like, Oh, you've got to take pursue narrative work. If you're not doing narrative work on TV and film, like you're not taking seriously, Mm -hmm. you're not really acting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you kind of had a rebuttal against that. And I was, I was showing up to applaud that because that's, it's not just one thing. I mean, I, I picture from a sound and a photographer point of view and, uh, it, it's not just one thing. Yeah. So, um, it actually, it wasn't college. It was, um, after college taking various acting classes. Uh, one was the main studio that I went to in Orlando. We would do these Meisner exercises, which if your listeners or you are not familiar with Meisner, it's a repetition exercise where you kind of learn to let your walls down. And the idea is to never be fake, always be in the moment and really just like honest with your emotions, what, no matter what comes up, whether that's flirtatious or angry, sad, happy, like whatever it is. And I would always just find myself smiling, which in general in life, I'm a very smiley person. It's, I may not even be happy. I'm just always smiling. Um, but I remember my teacher at the time who's who was a wonderful human being um but she made a comment about like if you really want to be good at this you need to drop that smile mask but then from there she would make all these comments about like you don't just want to be a commercial actor do you and then i moved to atlanta to pursue film and tv but really have just found all of my success in doing commercials which i'm very lucky i book a lot of And I'm able to pretty much pay my bills with commercial work. Um, But taking different acting classes up here, like I studied with a teacher who's really intense. And she would, I mean, never directly to me because I don't think she knew that I booked a lot of commercials. But she was always just making these passive remarks about how like actors need to think about what they're booking. Like, you don't just want to be a commercial actor. Just really like, just kind of said some passive aggressive like shit talking about commercial actors which again wasn't directed at me but it's hard to not internalize that when it's coming from people that you respect and then really just in the past year I think I've started realizing that like I actually really freaking love doing commercials and I know that it's not it's not necessarily hard work. Like you're not digging deep into your past. You don't need to break down a character and figure out what they want and need. And I don't need to get into character with sad music. And I'm never going to cry on cue on a commercial set, but I just really freaking love being there and I have fun doing it. And at the end of a 10 hour day, you know, I could do 10 hours on a film set and be exhausted and just emotionally done. I can do 10 hours on a commercial set and I'm ready to keep going. And so I've been trying to get to this place of just accepting that like, maybe that's my calling. Maybe that's what I'm meant to do or not even, you know, a spiritual meant to do kind of thing, but like, I love it. And I don't owe it to anyone else to work harder, to book film and TV roles. If they don't make me happy and I can go, you know, dance around on a Disney set uh, doing a Disney commercial or Chick-fil-A commercial and have the time of my life. So 
Do you think you'll ever want to find that kismet, maybe where you get your fame and your commercial, be like the next flow from Progressive or something? Oh my God, I would love that. Like if I could have anyone's career, I would take flow from Progressive in a heartbeat. <laughs> but I think... I, I bet oh. I bet that actress, I bet she can walk through Walmart, go to the movies, because unless she's in costume, I doubt you'd mm-hmm. recognize her. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't think I would... <laughs> yeah. I would not recognize her unless she had that hair. <laughs> yeah. But that <laughs> hair, hair and walk out, everybody's like, it's Flo. Yeah. So that's exciting. I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I hope you get that success one day. I think you. I do I too. And I thank you. Um, I would love that. But also right now, um, like this is a very recent realization that I'm still trying to figure out. I've been taking a break from film and TV auditioning. Um, I just, I've had really bad anxiety my entire life. And just for the past six months, it's kind of been at the worst it's ever been. And so I decided to remove all, just all things that make me super anxious as much as I possibly can, starting with film and TV auditioning. But for whatever reason, commercials just don't stress me out. And it's not, it's not the workload. It's not the hours of the day. I just, I love doing them. So I'm hoping that, this is something that I can stay happy about and not fall into this like people pleasing trap that I've been trying to get out of. That's been my goal really for the last year. (laughs) And on the technical side, I mean, I've worked a number of commercials and Mm -hmm. ad spots and uh, there's a lot of creative work going on in that space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Honestly, one of my favorite things about doing commercials is, um, you just getting to meet people like, so I love being on commercial sets and during lunch, getting a chance to talk to the director and ask like, what would be your dream project or how did you get into this? Because most people who make commercials don't, don't love it for most people. It's just a paycheck so that they can work on what they really want to work on. And um, like last year I worked on a Chick-fil-A one and the, I think he was the producer or the UPM, which is the unit production manager on it was talking about how he really wanted to make a documentary about some of the abortion laws that were being voted on in Georgia. And he didn't tell me which side of the argument he was on, but he really just wanted to make a documentary talking about sort of the unheard voices, whether that's men, because a lot of us have the attitude that like men shouldn't have an opinion or um, really religious people, people who are not religious at all. And just, uh, I don't know. I just think it's really cool to have the opportunity to get to meet people from all different walks of life and hear sort of how they got into the industry and what they want to do with it. Because we all have something that we want to do with it. Right. I came, I came about it through an education perspective. Um, I just assumed with health problems like I have that I had growing up that I wouldn't be able to take off and go work in Hollywood and work in films. And I always wanted to work in a post house. I think growing up, one of my main, you know, kind of, ideas of what a dream job would be would be being working in post sound at like skywalker ranch you know doing Hollywood films and stuff but you know you spend years paying your dues and working your mm-hmm. way up and then you know and, and the models changed a bit since then i mean because and when i was thinking about that it was still late 90s early 2000s and uh, yeah. you know the you know especially with the democratization of the technology things have changed quite a bit but Right. That that was kind of this idea, and I I avoided that, and I was like, no, I'm going to become a teacher, because <laughs> that has medical insurance and a 401k, and mm-hmm. you know, people respect teachers. Not they don't really. I think right now everyone's realizing how how great teachers are <laughs> for keeping the kids, but yeah, you know, and, and and I was lucky that my my first teaching year was hell, but I then ended up at a private school that for the good and the bad. I had great coworkers and I was equipped to teach what I was good at, what I knew, what I had an expertise in. And that was actually film and television and photography and creative outlets. And so besides teaching some foundational technology courses, I was really hands off allowed to create my curriculum from the ground up. And I went down and met with the vice president of education at wholesale and I modeled our program on theirs. And wow. uh, over the course of seven years, we created nine courses, a whole program, and was teaching 
all kinds of, you know, narrative, documentary filmmaking, uh, digital photography, broadcast media, all kinds of and stuff. And this was a high school? Yeah. I mean, it was a... That's wild. It's a private school. Yeah, but, but even, I mean, just being high school age and having access to that kind of information is so cool. Well, I hope it's as good as it sounds. I really, I tried hard at it and I, I really, that's the one thing I miss is the students. But even mm-hmm. when, I, it was when I started realizing I, and, and by the way, I got my way through college by freelancing, by doing video and audio and photography. And mm-hmm. so everything was always working in media. It was always working in entertainment. What I always wanted to do. Everything else was just an excuse to find a way to do that. Yeah. Um, and so finally with, you know, marriage and my wife's got a, a steady job with great income uh, and uh, particularly health benefits were taken care of with her. That uh, I started freelancing on the side and grew that into a business. And uh, around the time we met, uh, I had gone back to uh, production sound, which is kind of where I started. Everything started with production sound. Um, yeah. Professionally, I started that in 2001 when I was 17. Uh, was my first professional paid job. And wow. uh, so it kind of came full circle to that. And I had the talk that I said, I've got to do this. I've got to go full in. And I took the company full time, dove right in. And in the past two years, I've worked on, you know, a few dozen TV, short film, a uh, lot and lot of commercial, ad, corporate, industrial. Um, you know, and I, I really like those pieces. I really, yeah. I don't mind that work at all. I think it's some of my favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, I like the varied content. I know some guys, they only do features. I have some, some yeah. pals I've met that have, that have offered to bring me along and they are part of some really impressive work, but they're, they're in charge of one type of work. And I love mm-hmm. that every job I get is something different. Yeah. Oh, same. That's when people ask like, Oh, what's your favorite role you've ever done? Or do you have a dream role that you would love to do? I hate that question so much because I really don't. And that's because I love that every single day is different. Like I, I don't have a dream role because my dream is to always be on a different set with different people doing a different thing every opportunity I get. Now to not ask that question, but <laughs> an adjacent question. Oh no, is that no, do you have do you questions? have some standouts that you've had? Whether it's been <laughs> Because of the people, you know, sometimes it's not the job. Sometimes it's the people you're working with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is, are there a jobs because of the people you're working with or uh, because of some of the skills you get to pull out or techniques you get to do? Maybe you do some stunt work or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Are there some roles that just stand out for different reasons to you? Maybe not a favorite, but just things that you, yeah. you, you took something away a little more than than typical yeah so i did this short film in october um that was so totally out of my comfort zone or at least what i thought was my comfort zone or what i thought was sort of my wheelhouse i was in this um this like white wig and really dramatic makeup i kind of look like a futuristic evil kylie jenner um but it was very i was almost playing like a villain and I normally play more like a victim role or if for film and TV or if it's commercials that I'm just a very happy, smiley girl next door type. And so for this, it was just, I mean, I had a fake septum piercing and wild makeup and um, really kind of revealing like it looked like I was at a rave was sort of what the wardrobe was. And I had the longest scene that I've ever had to do in one take, which was eight pages. And I was so focused on just like, I didn't want to mess up the lines. I didn't want to let anyone down. We're doing long days that I kind of just didn't go into it. Like I, I normally sort of pre-plan how I want a role to be. And with this one, it was almost like I was winging it. Like I felt like I knew the character because I talked to the director enough but I didn't do any pre-planning on what I wanted to say or do partially because I didn't know how we were going to film it. I didn't know if we were going to break it up. I didn't know what our blocking was going to be because we didn't rehearse it. So I was like, well, we'll just see what happens. And it ended up being one of the coolest roles I've ever gotten to do. I mean, just so villainous and, um, you know, dramatically walking and like dramatically touching the other actors' faces. And 
it's not out yet, but um, I should probably send you a clip from it or something. But it was just such a cool, just, I don't know, just a badass role that I don't normally get to do. That's great. That was, yeah, so that was definitely a favorite. And then commercial-wise, um, I have this one ad. I don't know if it still plays in Orlando since I don't live there anymore, but it's the Orlando City Soccer Team's official credit card with Fairwinds Credit Union. And it plays at all of their soccer games um, and it plays on TV during the soccer games. So I still get, or as of a year ago, I was still getting texts from people saying like, oh, I just saw your ad. And so that's one of my favorites because it was kind of the first thing I ever did that people were really able to see and that I could see on TV. I didn't have to go look it up on YouTube or, you know, try and like search the planet to find it. It's everywhere for people to see. And all over the Fairwinds website. So that was really cool. I'm curious, from a talent's perspective, I'm crew, mm-hmm. so there's some wonderful memes that illustrate this, uh, but we <laughs> have sometimes different experiences on set. Uh, oh, for sure. We are treated like gods and goddesses while you guys are expected to not sit down. It's ridiculous. Do you? Is there a, a varying difference between when you're maybe doing some of these independent short film roles versus some of these more glossier big corporate ad pieces like chick-fil-a and disney uh you mean in terms of like how glamorous it is or what do you mean by difference just the approach they take uh to to how you how you're treated uh accommodations um you know how how long you're on six i i assume with the the independent narrative you're you're there quite a bit you're you're kind of yeah usually independent narratives can be pretty ragtag um, yeah. So if you're, down. if you're doing an independent thing that is obviously non-union, um, that someone's just kind of thrown together because they want to put it in festivals, you really don't know what you're getting into. Um, the one that I did in October that I was just telling you about was like, I think we did a 16 hour shoot that turned into an overnight shoot. Um, we didn't really have like a separate holding area for the main cast versus the extras. It was like, if I don't want to say that it was a nightmare because I really enjoyed the experience, but it was definitely not like we did not have our own trailers, let alone our own, you know, bathrooms or an area where we could be more than five feet away from other people. But I've worked on independent stuff where they, you know, treat you like you're, an A-list star. And then with commercials, it's really all over the place. Sometimes you show up and the director is also the cinematographer and he's just holding the camera and telling you what to do from behind the camera. And, you know, you could work for a big company like Chick-fil-A and one day you're only there for one hour making like a hundred bucks and another day you're there um, for, you know, 10 hours and making a few grand. Like it's really all over the place. And, I don't even know how to say that there's, you know, something you can expect from indie versus low budget versus high budget because it just, it just so varies. And that's why I ask because, you know, I know how that affects my side of that equation. Yeah. And that is typically that I am executing my job and, and typically I hate to say this, um, uh, it's usually how, how nice of a bathroom we have access to and how good is craft, <laughs> yeah you know yeah craft services can make up for a lot and they they know it um yeah but uh you know typically you know we're always on our feet working anyways um so but you have a lot more downtime typically so i, I always wondered mm-hmm. how that would come across now speaking of you know the lack of work we all currently have you know what are your <laughs> personal feelings about the whole situation do you do you think we're going to have like a big rebound effect after we kind of get out of this hump where everybody is rushing to kind of get projects back on board and cut back up and there's work for everybody do. or do you think they're well, going to cancel some stuff so i am not an economist by any means so I feel like I have a very uneducated opinion on this, but the two routes that I could see this going would be one, the fact that we've all just kind of come to a standstill economically. I could see there being just a general, you know, recession, in which case that eventually trickles down because people aren't paying for movies, aren't paying for um, streaming and stuff. But 
because there were, I mean, this is happening in the middle of pilot season and those pilots I assume are still going to be made because during all of this, you know, everyone's binge watching TV shows. You can't have life without art. So either I feel like it's going to be really slow and you're going to see a lot of reality TV coming out of it because it's so cheap to produce and quick and you could just pump out a ton of reality shows for cheaper or everything that's supposed to be getting made right now is still going to get made. And so it's all just going to happen at the same time. And there's going to be a huge increase in jobs. I don't know. I feel like it could go one way or the other. It could stay the normal pace. I just, I don't know. I'm hoping for a lot of jobs. Yeah, I hope so too. And I hope there is a, yeah, the only way I hope it doesn't go, and this is no offense to people who make their, their living in reality is, I hope it doesn't go the reality route. I'm just not a huge yeah. fan of most reality television. A little bit can be done well. Most of it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've kind of, I don't want this to backtrack on this kind of new golden era of television we found ourselves in. Yeah. I don't it's want a good time to, to. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how this affects the uh, um the industry in terms of like so when we had the recession 2008 2009 that and writer strikes those things created sort of a new type of acting which is a lot more natural than perhaps if you watch movies from like the 80s 90s early 2000s acting is much more over the top people talk with these dramatized voices and um it's just, it's not very true to life. And then reality TV became more popular again because it was so cheap to produce. And I think that we got so used to seeing the way that people really are when they're upset because we're watching real drama unfolding. We know what real tears look like. And so now we expect our acting on TV and film to be so much more natural and realistic. And so that to me is such an interesting concept that these world events shape then what we're used to seeing in film and TV. And I'm curious to see if that's going to happen again now. Like if reality TV shows come out of this, um, you know, how will that shape the acting or even things like auditions right now, auditions in the Southeast are pretty much always taped, but in New York and LA, they're pretty much all still in person, but right now they're switching to tapes just to be able to maintain this whole social distancing thing. And I'm so curious to see if if that stays in L.A. and New York, if they switch to tapes the way that the Southeast has. And now that, you know, TikTok has really taken off during this quarantine period, will that have an impact on film and TV? There's these um, websites. I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. I want to say it's like Quibi or Quibbly or something like yeah, that. Quibi, it's like just launched. Sh- yeah. Yeah. Like short form episodic sort of stuff. And I feel like that could really be like a new wave of things because people are just sitting at home with nothing to do and, you know, scrolling through social media, like, okay, let me just bombard my brain with one piece of content after another. Um, And that, you know, big things that happen in the world have these small effects like TikTok and short form content that it's probably going to carry forward. And I'm so curious to see if if that's going to change on Netflix. Maybe we'll start seeing like, 15 minute episodes or I don't know. I'm just curious to see how this unfolds. I like your observations. That's some really, really great takeaways. And those are going to be curious <laughs> things to watch going forward. Yeah. I just, I think that human beings are so fascinating. We have everything that we have, whether it's media or personalities, whatever, we all have a reason behind all of it. And I think it's really cool that we're literally watching history unfold right now. Beyond your acting, we've also talked mm-hmm. that you do quite a bit of modeling as well. Yeah. When did that kind of, we haven't kind of seen the start of that. How did your modeling come about? Was it as a uh, kind of an adjacent creative practice to being on camera or was it a mm-hmm. completely separate, you know, way to express yourself? Yeah. So when I first started doing photo shoots, I did a couple of them in high school just for fun. And those were 100% honestly, it was just me wanting to, you know, be pretty in front of a camera and have cool MySpace and Facebook photos. And I just dated myself by saying MySpace. Um, <laughs> but I really just wanted to have like pretty photos. So that was the introduction. Um, I always loved shows like America's Next Top Model, uh, 
loved like Seventeen magazine, that kind of thing, wanted to be in them. So my introduction to modeling was totally superficial. But then when I got out of college and I started pursuing acting, I started doing a little bit of modeling just to kind of go with that because you know you can make some extra money doing print work or a lot of times I'll book commercials off of photo shoot photos that I have. So instead of them looking at like my reel or video work, they're fine to just see a bunch of different pictures of me from different angles and you know close ups far away, whatever. Um, so I really started pursuing the modeling professionally after college just to help with acting. And then how it turned into what it is now, I guess, was about two years ago, I went through like a really bad breakup and it sort of became an outlet for me. Like I switched from just doing all of these really happy or like pretty photo shoots to really finding a way to like express myself through photos. And most of the photos, actually pretty much all the photos that you'll see on my Instagram are unpaid work. That's just me having a creative outlet. Like I certainly do paid print stuff for, again, Disney, Chick-fil-A, Panera, stuff like that. But I'm not passionate about that. So you won't really find much of that on my, on my social media. But um, yeah, it's really just been a great way for me to whatever I'm feeling I can just get in front of a camera and just let it out. And it's a challenge. And I do a lot of, not a lot of, but some nude modeling, um, more on the artistic side, not so much like Playboy style. Um, but that I love because it's, it's a challenge. You don't have clothing on. You can't put your hands in your pockets or play with your collar or whatever. It's like, okay, what do I do with myself and my body right now when I've got nothing to rely on except for me? So it's scary. And then also, if you have any insecurities, if you have love handles or cellulite or whatever, um, you've got the choice to either, sometimes you take the route of like, I want to feel really sexy today and I'm going to like show off my body at awesome angles. And sometimes you're like, no, I want to kind of let people see that I do have these love handles and this is me, take it or leave it. So modeling is just in the past year and a half or two years, really just become an outlet. not on purpose, but it, it turned out that way. And I'm really glad that I found it. That's great. And another form of acting that I've never heard you talk about is, do you have any interest or, uh, intent to maybe explore the world of like maybe voice acting? I've never really thought about it. The only voiceover I've ever done professionally, I did one for a, a spec commercial that some friends and I shot a few months ago, but that was just because they were just like, Hey, we need voiceover and you go do it. Um, but the only professional voice acting I've ever done was for this Chick-fil-A spot that I did. Um, and it just kind of, it went along with it, booked the commercial. And so it came with the voiceover, but I've never, I've never really put any thought into, into pursuing it. I, I know very little about it, to be honest. I've just had the opportunity to meet several voice actors and, and they're typically the first people to tell you that voice acting is is acting. It's just, it's full on acting. It's full physical. You just yeah. have electric wardrobe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Um, I believe that it's just not a world that I'm yeah. acquainted with. I was just curious. Not, not, it's not for everybody. And just like, uh, I know several of the people who are professional voice actors, they had no intent mm-hmm. on going in it and it just kind of, it, it was an opportunity and it kind of, yeah. it went down that rabbit hole. Um, so yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm always curious as to, because I've been exposed to that world a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and I've, I've met some of those people who have made their living and acting that way, I wonder, more mainstream actors and actresses, if it's something they, they consider. And it, it sounds like it's still one of those things that you kind of have to bump into a bit to, to find out if it's an interest of yours. I know some people who do it, and... Um... Certainly, I know people like my roommate runs a YouTube channel as his main job, um, in addition to TV acting. Uh, and I know that he's talked about getting into voiceover a bit. It's just kind of, I don't know. I feel like I've always got so much other stuff that I'm focused on that it just hasn't really been on my radar. That's good. Hey, you've got, you've got dreams, you've got goals, and you're focused on those. I yeah. think that's wonderful. Who knows? Maybe I'll accidentally get into it one day. I don't know. The one time I did the Chick-fil-A voiceover thing, 
I was so aware of every time I was speaking, I could like, I could hear my saliva. I could hear myself swallow. And I don't think I'm cut out for that. <laughs> it, was it was like some ASMR stuff that I didn't know I was getting into. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that's how we found out Emily was launching a new Meow Mali ASMR at YouTube. Oh, I think I would creep myself out. <laughs> oh, that would be the but, best comedic. You launch an ASMR oh channel, Excel. It's just how long can you keep it up before you're disgusted and you have to stop? Yeah, it's like ten <laughs> seconds of like kind of making sounds, and then I'm like, "Is that is this what it's supposed to sound like?" Oh God, make it stop! Make me stop! Yeah, no, that could be that could be a whole sketch. But I have been actually thinking, like, slight tangent, but um, I've been wanting to do. I don't know if I want to do stand up or like gets on Instagram or what, but I've had a few concepts in my mind that I want to write out and I feel like I know what I want the bit or the different jokes to be. I just haven't decided if they should be a one minute short film or a stand up or I don't know, me talking to a camera and just telling jokes. I don't know. But sometimes we get these accidental little opportunities that turn into something else. So maybe that'll happen with voiceover. Maybe that'll happen with stand up. I don't know. That'd be great, though. Either <laughs> yeah. way, I'm eager to see it. Yeah. I'm, there are lots of really bad puns, which is pretty much my entire sense of humor. So it'll be great to me. I'll laugh at them. I'll laugh at my own jokes, and everyone else will hate it, and it'll be fine. Well, it's been great having you on the podcast today, Emily. Thanks for having me. If uh, our listeners want to try and find you, uh, where can they see you and your work? Yes. So um, as of right now, my website is so I had always been going by the stage name Emily Noel because I didn't think that people could pronounce Noelani. Then one day I kind of woke up and was like, you know what? I'm working on this whole like being more unapologetically myself thing. So I'm going to switch to my real name. As of right now, my website is still emilynoel.com. That's E-M-A-L-I-E-N-O-E-L.com. Uh, by the time this airs, it may have switched to Emily Noelani. Again, E-M-A-L-I-E-N-O-E-L-A-N-I. Otherwise, my Instagram is at Meowmily, which is M-E-O-W-M-A-L-I-E. And um, yeah, check out my stuff. You'll see more of what I'm talking about with using my modeling creati creatively. And I'm really trying to make it a goal that anyone who goes on my social media leaves better than when they started. I don't ever want to make someone more insecure or post things that are fake and just make it my highlight reel. And lately I've been using it as a place to kind of creatively express myself with my writing and getting more personal. So if any of your listeners want to find me on there, they can shoot me a message, let me know where they found me and I'd love to get connected. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you want to find out more about this podcast, if you just come across it, contact us at creativesincorporated.com. See ya, everybody. <laughs> Bye.